Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This week, reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from July 30th, 1983, taped on July 20th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last. My pleasure to be with you once again. And joining me for this journey through wrestling history like he does each and every week, he's your friend and mine from Booking the Territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good, Brian. Looking forward to another episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Like you said, July 30th, 1983. I feel we've got a tale of two episodes here. More on that later, but we've got Buddy Nichols with Bill Watch sandwiched in the middle, closed out by Buddy Nichols for the most part. So. With all that said, I think we should get into it and get into uh, the good stuff that we're going to hear on this week's show. Well, like you said, it is a tale of two shows, and it's really the Buddy Nichols portion of the show and the Bill Watts portion of the show. But let's hear the show open right now. Boyd Pierce and Buddy Nichols. I hope you'll stay with us all the way. One of the matches will be the Junkyard Dog against Mr. Olympia. And the new North American heavyweight champion, Hacksaw Butch Reed, defends his title against the challenge of Magnum T.A. Lots of great wrestlers. Adds up to a lot of excitement and action. The men to tell us about it, the fine sports director from KALB Channel 5 in Alexandria, Louisiana, Buddy Nichols. Buddy? Thank you, Boyd. Nice to be back again with you this week. An action-packed hour. Looks like it's going to be a good card. It is, and the contestants are in the ring, so let's go for the introduction. We'll be right back. And there it is, the show open, Boyd Pierce and Buddy Nichols, not too much to add to that. It's one of those rare occasions where Boyd does all the talking, and Buddy comes in and says a few things and then leaves, like Boyd usually does with Watts. Anything to say about this open that I'm missing? No, I mean, Brian, you're, this is, it's quite obvious, I'll say it now, before we get into the meat of the show, and then uh, when we close it out, when we get Buddy that comes back after the non-high-profile matches, or after the high-profile matches, uh, we get Buddy Nichols back at the end. But the thing is, like, he is almost obvious that he's out there uh, as a favor of sorts. You know, Watts is just trying to get some mainstream media. And I guess when you put Buddy in this chair to do some low profile matches on the show, uh, he gets a little bit of rub from the TV station in Alexandria. I mean, it's kind of quite obvious to me. I don't know. You can you share your thoughts as well. But as I look at the matches we're about to discuss, the first couple, and then the ones we're about to finish with at the end of the show, I mean, it's it's obvious what it is. Watts comes in with the matches that are big, and Nichols is out there for the ones that really don't matter. Yeah, I see it as relationship building between Watts and KALB in Alexandria, Louisiana. And Buddy Nichols is obviously a friendly force at that station for Mid-South Wrestling, and there's nothing wrong with having him do some of the matches that aren't big matches, and also that there aren't any really big points you need to hammer across during those matches. I think he's perfectly fine, perfectly acceptable in that role. Yes, most definitely. But, you know, there's it makes Boyd Pierce the color guy because he's doing just play-by-play, a literal play-by-play, like he's calling this on the radio or something. But the opening match, Rip Rogers and Tony Zane versus Tim Horner and George Weingroff. Joel Armstrong, the referee. Horner and Weingroff win when Weingroff gets an abdominal stretch on Tony Zane. I didn't have any other notes. What about you? So I see you're stealing my notes again because I really have written down Tim Horner and Weingroff win when Ron Weingroff takes Zane over for an abdominal stretch pin attempt with uh, Buddy Nichols on commentary. There's not much else to say. Literally, I just read you my notes. 
Well, I wrote it a lot more uh, succinctly, I think. But our next match, Hacksaw Duggan versus Rick Davidson. Johnny Martinez, the referee. Hacksaw Duggan wins with a spear. I don't have any other notes about this match. What about you? A little bit more than what you have, Brian. So early in the match, Duggan appeared to try to give Davidson a backdrop. And Davidson, he kind of just falls over like a wet turd on a backdrop. It was a spot out of the corner where it happened. It's it's very, very comical. The way he, I, I don't know how else to describe it. He just, he just went over like a wet turd is the best way to describe it. But like you said, Duggan wins with the spear. And that was that with Buddy Nichols on commentary. Again, not bad. He's just play-by-play calling it. And it's, like you said, he relationship building with Watts, with Alexandria Radio uh, TV station. And that's that. Other than that, there's really not much to say about these opening matches. Well, this next match is a pretty big one. And we'll talk a little bit about just how big at the finish of it. But the Junkyard Dog, former North American champion now, versus his former tag team partner, the man he held the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Championships with, the tippy-toe bandit himself, Mr. Olympia, no Skandar Akbar in Mr. Olympia's corner, no Akbar on this taping whatsoever. Let's hear the opening thoughts from Cowboy Bill Watts. Boy, Pierce, I snuck out here. I wanted to be on the scene for this. A lot of people don't realize that Junkyard Dog asked this match. You know, Butch Reed's been putting down a lot of stuff that the jog has washed up. He's over the hill. He's out of shape. He doesn't have the endurance. And I think a lot of people, the, I know the Irishman Hill Boys Club is packed and overflowing here today because they want to see if Butch Reed has got any truth in what he's saying because he now is a North American champion. And the dog had gone to Grizzly Smith and said, I want the tippy-toe bandit, Mr. Olympia, because he's quick, he's fast, and he's in shape. He's more of the Butch Reed style. The dog's told me personally that he's into some different training tactics that he bulked up and gotten real big and strong to face the men like Bundy and Kamala people of that size and that strength and that bulk but that he's going into a different type of endurance type routine because Butch Reed has the strength and the power of the big guys but he's in the fantastic endurance type conditioning it's a new threat probably the most awesome threat ever to face the junkyard dog since he became the king of the hill, so to speak. Well, there we hear the opening thoughts from Bill Watts, once again focusing on the weight gain, the change in appearance of the junkyard dog. If you're watching week by week, it may not be as obvious, but go back and look at a picture from this period of time in 1982 and then look at this, and you can see the dog has gained a considerable amount of weight. He's nowhere near as cut as he once was. He still has muscles. I'm not saying he doesn't. But look at his arms, look at his shoulders. It's almost like a different guy than he had been a year earlier. And the story, once again, given that he bulked up to fight some of these bigger guys, which is actually a pretty clever way of getting around it. But Butch Reed on promos, and you don't know how much of this was fed by Bill Watts, would say things like, you've gotten lazy, too busy driving around in your Mercedes Benz, you don't have time to go to the gym. Mike, what are your thoughts on these opening comments from Bill Watts? I agree with you. Watts was clever here with the way he phrased it and positioned the commentary. You know, he he said that JYD asked for this match because Olympia is more of Reed's style and he wanted the challenge of Olympia to ready himself for Reed. So while Watts brings up 
how JYD is quote unquote bulked up. I don't know if bulk is the right word, but give him credit for saying it like that. At the same time, you know, we got JYD here who's taking on a competitor who is going to be more in the style of what he'll face with Reed. So I think Watts is clever here. You know, you and I have speculated a few times about, you know, was Watts working, shooting, uh, when he's making these comments about JYD's weight. I mean, I guess we we would never know unless we unless Watts remembers and he could tell us. But I got to give him credit here, him being Watts, for pointing it out and speculating and positioning that, all right, JYD is taking on Olympia because he knows he's got to build up in his, his endurance and work on his conditioning uh, because he had only been conditioned for guys like Bundy and Kamala and the bigger guys. So, you know, credit Watts for the way he positioned it there. Let's go to hear some more audio of the finish of this match, and it's a good match. Mr. Olympia and the Junkyard Dog, here's more from the Cowboy. Junkyard Dog, pulling him in. Ricky Ferrar trying to break the dog, but Olympia. Olympia used a quick thinking and snapped the dog down to that steel cable, and the dog's ricochet as he caught it across the throat. Trip Rick Ferrar and Olympia is putting on that foreign object on the toe of his boot that he's knocked several people out with. We saw him just last week take Tim Horner. He goes for a drop kick on dog. He was trying to take the dog's head out. The dog got out of the way. Now the dog is the dog is going for the foreign object that's on Olympia's boot. The dog has got it. He's put it on his hand. Oh, that'll bring chills to you. The dog majors Olympia and what an uppercut, what an uppercut. And the junkyard dog, Butch Reed, you better be looking both ways. Bill, there's no way the junkyard dog is on the way down, and no way he's slowed up his tactics to find victory, and we'll be back after this message from Mid-South Wrestling. Well, there it is, the junkyard dog taking the foreign object off of the boot of Mr. Olympia after he misses a dropkick off the top rope and smashing him with it, even though Rick Ferreira kind of saw what was happening what are your thoughts on this match and the finish of the match mike i, I like the finish it's quintessential mid-south and let me tell you what i like about it first before i criticize it it's quintessential mid-south because of course in a big match a referee is going to take a bump i mean we see it with alfred neely all the time he's constantly spilling out of the ring right here we saw it with ricky ferrara although ricky ferrara did recover to make the count i love the fact that you know Olympia's trying to be a heel. He's loading up the boot or the toe, puts the gimmick on it, comes off the top rope for a drop kick, but just splatters, takes a nice looking bump off the top rope while the ref was down. The, the part that kills me, and I was waiting on Watts to say it on commentary, is Dog takes the gimmick off of Olympia's foot and lays Olympia out. Now, the crowd is going nuts, which they should, but I guess Ricky Ferrara, in the words of Bill Watts that Watts has used in the past, Ricky Ferrara used judgment, and he he figured, well, um, I'm just going to use my own personal judgment here and say that we're going to let this fly, which that probably wouldn't stand up or shouldn't stand up. But, I mean, Ricky Ferrara watched him, Brian. He literally watched Dog with a gimmick on his right fist knock Olympia out for the one, two, three. But, you know, there's that. So, whatever. Everything isn't always airtight, brother. And a great bump off the punch by Olympia. As soon as he got hit, he went down quick looked like he got knocked out sold it great by the way i believe this is the final appearance of mr olympia in mid-south wrestling he had already started 
for Southeastern in Alabama. And I believe this would be it. I mean, it makes sense. This is him getting pinned by the Junkyard Dog, his former partner. They had a lot of house show matches, but this is the final resolution on TV. This is the end of Mr. Olympia in Mid-South Wrestling. Looking back on his time, what do you think? What do you think of the run of Mr. Olympia, Mike? Well, I said it when we first started talking about Olympia. You know, he's one of the first mass wrestlers that I remember. I think he had a really good run in Mid-South. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, him, I really like what they did with he and Dog, where Dog lost and came back as Stagger Lee. You know, Dog, because he was Stagger Lee, kept getting a paycheck. And I love how when Olympia lost and got sent home for whatever it was, 60 or 90 days, can't remember exactly, one of Olympia's biggest gripes was, you know, I didn't come back. I didn't come back and keep earning a paycheck. I left. I took my medicine. And I really loved how they did that. I thought that was great storytelling because he really did as a heel. He was telling the truth, but he had an axe to grind. So I really, really liked that. Overall, really enjoyed Mr. Olympia Mid-South. Uh, it isn't. It is the end of his era here, and it's it's kind of um, fun when you look back at the time he had in mid south and the great stuff that was there. What what was it, Brian? Is I guess we're at uh, eighteen months with him at this point uh, since he first came in, somewhere around that. But that's a you know I think that's a really good territory run. Yeah, he got there. I think the beginning of nineteen eighty two, and again as a babyface or a heel, fantastic worker in the ring. When he finally started cutting heel promos, really good as a heel promo. I've always said it, I know he got busy in Southeastern, and he later got sick for a while, but one of the big regrets of Mid-South Wrestling is never bringing him back in 84 or 85. He would have been great in that mix with all of those guys, and I wish we could have seen it, because he was dynamic. He was one of the highlights of Mid-South Wrestling over the past year and a half. You know, you got on me about playing spoiler a couple weeks ago, but uh, you just played spoiler telling us Olympia's not coming back. That's not the same as playing spoiler. <laughs> You gave the results of a match before we saw it. I'm saying we're not going to see this guy again. By the way, that's better than having people wait each and every week thinking, maybe Olympia will be back. Where's Olympia? I miss Olympia. I'm doing the right thing. How dare you compare? You can only contrast. You can't compare. No, it's, um, I will say this. It's, it, I have to agree with you when you say it. It's it's really a shame he doesn't we never get to see him again because he would have been great in that 84, 85 mix because that 84 mix is good. 85 mix as well. Uh, 85 has one of my favorite moments or, or some of my favorite times, even once dog is gone. So he would have been he would have been really, really good in that mix. Uh, and you could have probably, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. You could have probably put him in. He could have been in that heel face mode. I mean, you. That's what made him so valuable is you could have done a lot with him during that time period. Whatever you needed, he could have fit. I mean, that's that's the type of guy he was. That's the type of wrestler he was in the Mid-South Territory. And the fans would have either taken to him as the face or hated him as the heel, no matter which way you positioned him. So he do, he would have been a very valuable piece during those time during those years. Come on. How about babyface Butch Reed versus heel Mr. Olympia? Like I said, you can you can do a lot. <laughs> That's the point I'm making. I mean, you can do so much yeah, with him. Would have been great. Yeah, it, there's he's he would have been. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, I mean, just off the top of my head, he's probably one of your more more versatile guys. If you just look what he did during his 18 month run, he's one of your more versatile guys that you could have had during that time period that you could have done so much with, especially in the absence of well, once Dog's gone. So it's it, you're right. It it it's a shame we never get him again. Well, our next match, another big one, 
the North American champion Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Magnum TA. Joel Armstrong is the referee. Let's hear the opening thoughts from Cowboy Bill Watts. We'll talk about it on the other side. Match on Mid South Wrestling, the North American Heavyweight Championship on the line. There you see the man with the belt, the title holder, Hacksaw Butch Reed, who will defend that belt and championship against the challenge of Magnum TA. Bill? Oh boy, this is a great match. I'm telling you, I'm really looking forward to two fantastic Joel athletes. Armstrong calls for the bell and the title match underway. Hacksaw Butch Reed has not held the title long enough to find out just how lonely it is at the top. But you got to watch everybody. He thinks he's really pulled something over on the dog. He's incorporated a little bit of help when he did it with one 420-pound mammoth giant King Kong Bundy and one mad dog Buzz Sawyer. But you got to remember that the very hand you feed is the hand that'll bite you when you're there. And Butch Reed better watch his back, watch everything. Plus, he's got the most awesome man in wrestling, the junkyard dog after him. And he's also fired up somebody that he should have left alone in that Jim Dugan, Hacksaw Dugan with his feud with Akbar and his army. But Butch Reed says, I beat the Hacksaw Dugan before to prove once and for all who the real Hacksaw is. And this time when I get through, he'll be calling me sir. Now that's just adding a lot of fuel to a lot of fire because Hacksaw Dugan's a proud man and he's a battler. So a lot of things happening here on Mid-South Wrestling. Well, there it is, Bill Watts' opening thoughts. Mike, what are your opening thoughts about the match as well as Bill Watts' comments talking about Reed and the dog, but also Reed and the other Hacksaw, Hacksaw Dugan, or Duggan as we commonly refer to him? I like to, I like Watts here. You know, Watts is making comments about how Reed better watch his back with the people he's partnered with. And, and it's true, you know, you see these heels all the time. They partner with each other in wrestling, but they're all about self-interest like it's they will partner with someone until it's inconvenient to partner with them and then it's like yeah i'm all about myself so it's all about self-preservation if you're a heel and that's basically what watts is saying right there he's like yeah reed might align himself with some of these people but at the end of the day he better watch his back because those same people who would align himself with they'll they'll turn on him too Uh, which I thought was good. And then I really liked Watts planting the seeds of Hacksaw versus Hacksaw there because, you know, obviously there is a natural, just based on the names, there would be a natural rivalry. So good stuff. And then the two guys in their stature, I mean, they stack up well against each other. So I thought that was good stuff in the opening opening commentary from from Watts right there. Hey, real quick comment on Duggan versus Dugan that we've talked about in the past. But I recently was filing some stuff, and I pulled this out so I could talk to you about it. This is a Houston wrestling program, Friday, February 12th, 1982. So before Paul Bosch started working with Mid-South Wrestling, he's still using talent from Southwest Wrestling. And if I open the program up, big match on the 26th card will be Wildman Duggan battling Dusty Rhodes. And the headline is, It's Duggan! D-U-G-G, and then in parentheses, two G's, A-N. So I think the Dugan versus Duggan thing predates Bill Watts, the idea of people saying his name wrong, which I thought was really interesting. That That is very interesting. And also I caught there, Wild Man Duggan is interesting as well. Well, that's when he was still wearing that furry vest that he first appeared in Mid-South Wrestling that first time as Skandar Akbar's bounty hunter wearing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's why I was that's why I was saying that. Like the if you remember, a lot of people don't. The very first time he shows up, he's got that um furry looking animal skin. I don't know, Brian, how to describe it. Uh like it wasn't even a full coat. It was just like like um just over his shoulders and chest area. And he's looking just really goofy with uh Akbar. So uh we got Wild Man Duggan, but it's it's funny how how the pronunciation predates Mid South. That's an interesting little fact right there that I didn't realize. Well, let's get some more audio of this match. The end of the match. Once again, the North American champion, Hacksaw Butch Reed and Magnum TA. You just saw a maneuver Reed used. It shows a tremendous athletic building. Here's a guy his size, 250, 260. He drop kicked Magnum TA right in the face. But TA firing back. Like I said, this is a great bout. Grizzly Smith, the matchmaker, this is one thing he exceeds in giving such fantastic bouts. Main events right here on television for those at home. And T.A. is really going after it. Magnum T.A., he senses victory here. He's got the momentum shifted, goes for an inside cradle. Reed's too powerful to hold. Reed fires out. T.A.'s behind him. He's going for the atomic drop. He's got Reed up. The atomic drops him. Belly to belly suplex. There you have a new champion. Reed got it. Oh, Reed got out. I thought you had a new champion right there. That's the first man I've ever seen kick out of Magnum TA's belly to belly suplex. Reed wants to recollect his thoughts a little bit. He bailed out of the ring. He's on the retreat. I've not seen Hacksaw Butch Reed run like that, but he's he's trying to get away from TA, but TA's bringing him right in. Oh, Reed held on. It came through. Reed's got the. Oh boy, you gotta stay with it every second. TA, oh, good karate shot by TA. Magnum TA, this youngster is really impressing me here, Boyd. And Magnum TA had him down for the two count. A hammer was coming down for the third, and that saved him. TA missed that elbow. He's going for broke. Reed's punishing him now. Oh, Reed is taking him out. And Reed is bending that right knee that, that Magnum TA has that knee brace and the and the brace underneath. And Reed has wrapped that around the post. That's not a disqualification. The only time it's a DQ is when you drive their head into the post. And Magnum TA, TA going for that atomic drop. Oh, the punishment to that knee when TA went for his patented move. That knee was hurt too badly from being wrapped around that post. And although Butch Reed is feeling the shock to his spine, I don't know if T.A. is going to be able to get up and put any weight on that leg. Oh, Butch Reed caught him. And Hacksaw Butch Reed retains the North American crown, but I think today we've seen a new star born and that he pressed the champion. Exactly, Bill, and a lot to be heard of from in the future from Magnum T.A. Tag team action coming up after this word from Mid-South Wrestling. Well, there it is, the North American champion, Hacksaw Butch Reed, defeating Magnum TA, the first loss we've seen from Magnum TA on TV. People lose for different reasons in Mid-South Wrestling. Mr. Olympia lost because he's leaving the territory. We'll find out next week why it was acceptable for Magnum TA to lose a high-profile match like this, a singles match like this, on TV this week. But, Mike, what are your thoughts about this match and the result of the match? I enjoyed it. I thought this was for its time, I guess I would call it a lengthy finish because 
of everything that goes down, they they told a they told a great little story throughout the match. Uh, first off, because Magnum really had Reed on the run a lot at the beginning. I mean, he's he's hitting him with he's hitting Reed with wrestling maneuvers and lots of arm drags, and he's working the arm. And Reed's kind of confused. He's like, "Man, I, I this guy this this kid's got me running." But then when we go to the finish, and after Reed had taken control, and then and then Magnum starts firing up. Magnum gets Butch Reed on the retreat, and Magnum hits Reed with the atomic drop and belly to belly. And you're watching that, and you're listening to the crowd. They think a pin's coming. And remember, we haven't seen anybody really kick out of any of Magnum's finishers yet, whether it was the atomic drop or the belly to belly. So he gives Reed both. Reed kicks out. It looks still good for Magnum for a while until Magnum misses that elbow drop on Reed, and that's when Reed takes control. And then the best part about that finish is when Reed takes Magnum's knee or leg, wraps it around the ring post, so that, you know, it's supposed to stun his, you know, now his knee's kind of banged up a little bit, not as stable because it took the post. Magnum then ends up getting on the offense again and goes for the atomic drop again, but his knee is too messed up. It's too, too damaged right now, and it buckles, so Magnum can't hit it. He drops Reed. Reed then hits Magnum with the flying shoulder tackle. Reed gets the win. I thought Magnum looked really great in a loss. That was my overall assessment if I'm watching week to week. I'm like, all right, Magnum lost, but there's no skin off his back for this one. He held his own against the North American champion and looked really good even in a loss. And that's where you say, hey, a loss doesn't always make a competitor look bad because you got to remember he's been doing nothing but women winning. So nowadays they bring a guy in and he's lost, you know, he's had eight matches in his first eight weeks and he's lost four of them. That's not how you build a winner. Magnum has been winning every single week and he finally takes a loss. So I thought overall that that was, you know, it, it was a strong loss. If, you, if I can use those words. Well, coming out of that match, we get another big match. And boy, we got some pretty big matches. Three in a row here on the show now. Junkyard Dog and Olympia. Butch Reed and Magnum TA. And now King Kong Bundy and Ted DiBiase. Once again, no Skandar Akbar. Versus Steve, Dr. Death Williams, and Johnny Rich. Johnny Martinez is the referee. They've been building up the potential confrontation between Dr. Death and Bundy for weeks. Let's hear the opening thoughts. From Cowboy Bill Watts. That's right, and at that 688 pounds, Bundy's 420, Boyd, and Doc is about 285. But Doc has wrestled some big men, and he's in college. He wrestled Tad Thacker, and he's wrestled Mitch Shelton and some other huge heavyweights, so he's he's not inexperienced against the big ones. There's been a lot of undertones about this match, a lot of things being said. It's DiBiase, of course, formerly of West Texas State University, being a Texan, and there's a lot of rivalry between Texans and Oklahomans, and Bundy from Atlantic City, king of the boardwalk, and Doc had just played for the Atlantic City Generals, and Bundy and DiBiase have been throwing a lot of barbs at Steve, and Steve is really wired and fired up for this match. They've been telling him that that the Oklahoma University and can't even win any, can't even win the conference, much less any important intersectional games, and that Doc was not smart enough to really be a great pro athlete, and oh, they've really been hammering him, and Doc has really fired up. He's proud. He's proud of the University of Oklahoma. He's proud of being a four-time All-American on Coach Stanley Abel's Oklahoma Sooner wrestling team, 
And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of uh, just a deep-seated pride in Oklahoma. He loves Oklahoma. And so there's a lot of things going on. And, of course, Bundy saying Doc has stolen his maneuver because Doc Bundy has the Atlantic City Avalanche and Doc's Oklahoma Stampede. Johnny Rich out there, old Blue Eyes himself, has given the big cheese, Ted DiBiase, all the wrestling he wants right now. I think maybe DiBiase and Bundy thought that Johnny Rich would be the uh, weak link of the team. But Johnny Rich right now has shown why I think the fans really care for him. Well, there we hear some commentary from Bill Watts. Once again, Bundy and Dr. Death on a collision course. What are your thoughts on this, Mike? Yeah, I mean, it's something that we've heard now for a few weeks now where, where they're building these two up. They're going to collide eventually. I mean, we hear the same thing from Watts right there. He's talking about the Atlantic City Avalanche and the Oklahoma Stampede being similar maneuvers. I mean, they they are very similar for that fact. So uh, you hear a lot there from Watts talking about, you know, also Dr. Death's pride in Oklahoma, uh, rightfully so. I mean, we we hear that throughout his career. I had another note uh, that doesn't get mentioned. Well, I guess Watts did kind of mention it there. Johnny Rich, once again, in the ring, holding his own against Ted DiBiase. I mean, you got to give Johnny Rich credit. He gets in there during these matches where he's not the biggest name on the on the in the match. And yet. He gets in there and he's mixing it up with these big names and he's not holding anything back. And I've enjoyed what we've seen most of the time from Johnny Rich in Mid-South Wrestling. I agree with you. I think Johnny Rich has been pretty impressive since the first day he got there. When he first showed up, I thought he was just, you know, there for an appearance. Like so many guys come out of Georgia and do an appearance on TV and then they're gone. But he's been a regular and he's been really good and, you know, better than I remember him being in the ring, I have to say. Yeah, it's not that he's winning like high profile matches or anything, or he's going to hold a, this title or that title. But when you watch him, he's not one of these guys that's just out there losing just for the sake of losing. He's in a match right here that I would call, like I said, it's a high profile match. You've got you've got Watts talking about, you know, Bundy and Dr. Death. And then you've got Ted DiBiase, who's, you know, arguably, you could say at certain moments, the biggest name in the territory, if not one of the biggest names in the territory with JYD. and yet. We see Johnny Rich out there, and again, holding his own. So I, I just, I, I like the mix in the beginning of this match before we get to see Dr. Death and Bundy kind of uh, square off with each other eventually. I, I thought, uh, you know, Johnny Rich, once again, holds his own, looks really good in there. Yeah, and it's a pretty good match. I mean, Johnny Rich can work. DiBiase is an excellent worker. Bundy's perfect at being King Kong Bundy, and Dr. Death slowly but surely is getting better each and every week. He's not what he would become but he's a lot better than he was in 1982 when it was paint-by-numbers style of wrestling. Let's hear some more audio from Cowboy Bill Watts of this match, Dr. Death and Johnny Rich versus Ted DiBiase and King Kong Bundy. Yeah, Doc said he went down the boardwalk to check out Bundy's reputation and said Bundy had a reputation for being a bully around parking lots and, and, and uh, kids' playgrounds and maybe stealing old ladies' purses or something. So Doc is saying some pretty pretty bad things in return about Bundy. Here we go. Here we go. You hear the sparks flying? You see the Doc clap his hand when he Bundy loves, came he in. Loves, he loves it. Tremendous. They measure each other. High up, collar and elbow. Hey, they're both pretty cautious. They're both respecting that size and strength. One thing, you can never forget that mask. Doc found out once against Mitch Shelton when he went on under him at Gallagher Hall. 
And by gosh, if you get that. Oh! Boy, Bundy might have got a broken nose out of that one. Doc is firing away. Tag is made, DiBiase in. Doc is hammering DiBiase too. Johnny Rich is taking a piece of Bundy. Johnny Rich wanted some of that action. I don't know, Johnny. That Bundy, oh, they doubled up on him. Oh, look at, Doc got him in sort of a stampede. Got a three, got a three. Doc got a three count, Dr. Death and Johnny Rich beat King Kong Bundy and Ted DiBiase. He got a three count, boy, you and I heard it, ring it. Ring it, ring it. Hey, go on, continuing on. Bundy trying to get Doc and DiBiase. is over. The match is over. Doc is running their heads together. He's Both not, of them. He's not going to quit fighting. I think they've just found, they just found somebody that just wants it a little bit more. what they're doing here. The match is over. There should be another referee down here trying to stop this thing. The match is over and it's a victory for Bundy and, I mean, for Dr. Death and Johnny Rich. And Doc is still out after DB, I see, and Bundy's still in on Johnny Rich. A lot going on that's it's just that Doc had just shoved DiBiase right on his can. The match is over. The match is over. I don't know why there's not another official down here to help separate them. The crowd chant, we want Bundy, we want Bundy. They want to see Bundy get on back in there with Doc. I think Bundy... Feels he got a fast count, but he got a count. And he's leaving the ring, and we'll be back with more action after this match. All right. Well, there's a lot to go over there, and a lot of this will play out again next week on the show. So Dr. Death, I can't even call it an Oklahoma stampede. He does a quick slam in a lot of ways on Bundy. He didn't fully have him up, but he gets him down, pins him. Bundy clearly lifts his shoulder before the three count. Referee Johnny Martinez counts three, but instantly gets up to signal no pinfall, no count. Bill Watts starts proclaiming on commentary, pinned him, ring the bell. And then you could hear there's some silence from the commentating table because they don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know what the finish was supposed to be, but it was clear that Johnny Martinez, I'm going to guess, wasn't supposed to count three there. And that's why he got up and said, no, no pinfall, got his shoulder up. But then the match continues. When they ring the bell, Johnny Martinez turns towards the table and he's like, no, no. And then it continues. What, what did you think of all this? I've watched this now back in 1983. And then now before reviewing this show at least eight or nine times to try to figure out 
what they intended to do versus what happened. And I still really don't know what was supposed to happen. If what we saw is what was supposed to happen, where it seemed confusing, or if somebody botched something. And let me explain. So the first time you watch it, my immediate thought was, Bill Watts walked out on this match and went and chewed some ass in the back while Buddy Nichols comes out for the next couple of matches that are nothing happening matches in the show. And then I watched it and I was like, well, no, maybe they did that on purpose to create controversy where Dr. Death appeared to have him pinned, but you can clearly see Bundy's shoulder comes up and the referee didn't really make a mistake. He wasn't, he was supposed to do what he did, but it's supposed to look like a mistake. And then the commentary desk is supposed to make it sound like a mistake. And Lord knows what's happening. I, I'm, I'm baffled to be honest. Um, I think they play it off. Well, no matter what was supposed to happen, if we're confused, I think they play it off well next week, but it's very confusing as you watch it. And the one thing that throws up caution for me is like, this was a mistake was, and it wasn't supposed to happen this way was the, how it dies. After the referee makes the three count and they rich and Dr. Death are kind of celebrating. And then the ref's like, no, 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 it didn't happen. And Bill Watts and board are kind of confused. Like, wait, that was the pin. No, it's not the pin. They're silent for a little while. After all that happens, you hear the crowd just die. Like they go silent because they're confused too. And that's not a good thing. So I, I, I don't know, Brian, I'm, I'm caught in between. They really, made a botch look so good that it confused everybody or no it was a botch and it just was messed up am i making sense as i'm trying to explain this to you yeah because it's hard to figure out exactly what the botch was because johnny martinez gets up after the three count and immediately signals that it wasn't a pin but watts goes with it he pinned him he pinned him you would think watts would be the first one to see oh he counted three but his shoulder was up and the referee is notating that there's no pin but instead, right. Watts goes the other way. So I don't know if that was supposed to be the finish later in the match. And it happened here. I mean, there's so much confusion. I will say, they do a good job going into next week's show of explaining what happened. And yes. why it happened. But right here, the fact that Watts and Boyd went quiet, that tells you that something was wrong. Right here, in my heart, I think this was botched. This is not what Watts wanted. And in my heart, I'm like, Bill Watts got up from that table and went and did, as we hear Jimmy Cornette say all the time, chewed some, he chewed some butt in the back. He spit some fire at somebody for botching something. Who that is, I don't know, but I feel like there's no way this was how it was supposed to go. And I say that because of how they, quote unquote, try to cover it next week and try to make sense of it all next week. It felt like them fixing a piece of the puzzle. There's only three potential people he could have chewed out. Referee Johnny Martinez, Steve Dr. Death Williams, or Bundy! Bundy, you dumbed yourself out of position. You never know. Right. Because you can clearly see when I watched, the first time I watched it and I was taking notes, I didn't clearly see, because I got the notes on one side of the screen, I got the, the video on the other. I didn't clearly see the actual shoulder come up. I heard the three count. And I heard Watts' reaction. But then I, I, re I rewinded it, and I go back. I'm like, oh, no, Bundy clearly got that shoulder up. It's not even close. I mean, it's you clearly no, it's not see. Just, just specify. It's not just that he lifted his shoulder. It's like he almost 
rolled to the side. So his, it's not just his shoulder is up. His entire back is up on that side that he was being pinned on. It's clear that he wasn't pinned. Right. It's not that he, he did the old gimmick where he gave a half ass, you know, I'm a slightly lift up the shoulder. Like you see sometimes he doesn't do that. He rolls almost his whole top right part of his body over to make it like plain as day. My shoulders up. So like, I feel like Bundy, there's no way that was on Bundy. Cause you don't accidentally do what he just did unless he had a brain fart. So I don't, I, you know, it's one of three people, but I just, I, I, it's really hard to tell who botched it. And if that was the moment when they were supposed to go home, but they didn't finish when I say go home. Um, it's just really, really, it's interesting to think about, you know, because it's like we're sitting here discussing it all these years later. Who messed up? There obviously is a mess up. Or maybe there wasn't. And that would be the beauty of it, too. Maybe there's not a mess up. Maybe this is what Watts wanted. He wanted, like, this air of confusion where it's like, wait, what the heck happened? Because Watts is kind of playing it straight and being calm on commentary with it. That's the part that I guess is also so confusing, confusing here. So. I don't know, man. Uh, all that said, we're going to see how this plays out next week. When we, I don't say revisit, but we hear from uh, the, the parties involved in this. Coming out of that match, we get Boris Zerkoff versus Tony Torres, who's always in and out of Mid-South Wrestling. Rick Ferreira, the referee. Buddy Nichols on commentary. Zerkoff wins with a knee drop off the second rope. I don't have any other notes. What about you, Mike? Yeah, he won so quickly. I mean, there really isn't much to say. I, I think I timed it, and I want to say it was in about a minute that we see Zerkov win the match. So, no, nothing to say. Knee drop off the second rope. Boris Zerkov gets a win. Following that, we get our final match this week. As the crowd empties out, Art Cruz versus John Davidson. Johnny Martinez, once again, the referee. This match is pretty sloppy at times. I know that you said something about the Rick Davidson-Hacksaw-Duggan match from earlier. John Davidson's the brother of Rick Davidson. This match was really sloppy. Art Cruz wins with a roll-up. Any other thoughts or notes from you? Very, very sloppy. I don't know what the heck. I mean, I don't. I think Art Cruz is, I've seen him work well. Um, I don't know what the heck's going on in this match. These two are just out there rolling around looking really sloppy. And with Buddy Nichols on commentary, there's not much else to say. Let's now go to the show close at the desk. Boyd Pierce and Buddy Nichols, where they're greeted by an unexpected arrival. The folks at home, next week, another great card here on Mid-South Wrestling. We hope you'll join us. Tommy Wildfire Ridge. That was the best okay. That was the biggest ripoff I've ever seen in professional wrestling. I want that Steve. Dr. Deathly is back in our ring. Nobody beats King Kong, and nobody ever answers me. And talk about stirred up. That's King Kong Bundy, and he's fired up. He said nobody does that to the Atlantic City Avalanche. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for watching. For our guest commentators, Cowboy Bill Watts and Buddy Nichols, I'm your host, Boyd Pearson. Goodbye, everybody, till next week on this same channel of Mid-South Wrestling. And there it is, the close of the show. King Kong Bundy, an irate King Kong Bundy, comes out, challenges Steve Williams, says, no one pins me, no one hits me with the Avalanche. Now, again, based on whatever happened in the back, either this was intended or Bill Watts went out there and said, you get out there and cut a fired-up promo to end this show. Because they had to. They had to cover up the fact that Bundy, again, I don't think he was supposed to be pinned there, and he was pinned there. And I'm right there with you. This felt like Watts walked to the back, chewed somebody out, 
I don't know who that somebody would be. And then Bundy comes out and he's like, nope, that wasn't a three count. It was a fast three count. He's fired up. He's stirred up, as Boyd Pierce says. And he says no one does that to him. I, I just, it, they're, they're doing a great job here because we can't tell where the work and the, the realness starts or finishes. It's, you know, got to give him credit here. I mean, we're, we're trying to figure it out, man. And you and I are. I don't want to toot our horns, but toot toot, we're pretty knowledgeable and we can we can identify this stuff and we can't we can't figure it out here. So, you know, maybe we should credit Bill Watts here for this stuff because uh, it's it, it, I, I mean, I, I'm amazed. I'm like, well, what was supposed to happen? What did what did happen? It's mesmerizing or fascinating, as you say, sometimes it's it's uh, tremendous stuff. And I'll leave it at that as we get ready to head off and figure out what happens on the, the next episode of Mid-South Wrestling based on what we saw from Bundy right there. On that note. I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listener stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Come listen to Booking the Territory twice per week at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. And did I say twice per week? That's not true. Once per week these days, as we are talking our NWA Saturday night on TBS recaps, we are into uh, March and April of 1989. Boy, things really do change when you get to April because you you leave the studio and you're at center stage and it is a crazy time. I mean, everybody thinks of Steamboat and Flair, but there's a lot more other stuff going on that you just look at and go, oh, what were they doing and what were they thinking? Uh, but we still have a lot of fun talking Southern Classic Wrestling. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash bttpod or search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. The shows drop every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Central Time. So check us out. You'll have fun. We're the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast for a reason. The jokes are terrible. The language is strong, but we still have fun. Nonetheless, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mike504Saints. Brian, another fun show. We've really got a lot to look forward to with the next episode of Mid-South because we got to figure out how all this Bundy and Dr. Death stuff shakes out. And if what we saw was a work or a shoot or a blend of both and who botched what, well, maybe we'll never know. But still, it'll be fun sorting this all out. Until then, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Tally-ho!